So once again, welcome everyone. It's a delight to see all of you here this evening, at least this evening in Arizona. If you're calling elsewhere, it might be different, maybe morning or afternoon. Yeah, welcome, welcome to our gathering here on Monday evening. Some of you might have been here last week. Last week I shared with you this particular discourse called the Kalama Sutta. And it's a discourse that's uh, quite famous. And I, I want to take that as a, a starting point and then to move from there. Uh, hopefully this time will be a little bit more experiential. And if you were here last week, you might have remembered, I shared with you the story about these people, the Kalamas, that were living in this village, the village of Kesaputa. And their dilemma, you know, here they are living in this village and a uh, spiritual teacher comes from this direction and this direction and that direction and they say different things. This one praises their own view and disparages the other person's view. This person does the same, <laughs> praises their own view, disparages the others. And they're left in this state of confusion. And the Buddha comes and the Kalamas are like, hey, we're in doubt, we're confused. How do we navigate all these different um, options in terms of a spiritual path? And you know, it's kind of like, it's like they're saying to the Buddha, you know, we've been surfing on the web and we've been coming across all these different kind of approaches and it's confusing because there's so much out there. It's, it's like they were already being able to foretell this age of information. <laughs> maybe that's one way of reading it. So maybe we're in the same position as the Kalamas. And then the Buddha says some really interesting things. And I want to take this as a, I want to review this and then take the next step. It says, don't merely go by tradition, like this tradition called Buddhism. Don't go by what a particular teacher says, like me <laughs> sitting here. And this is the, the real kicker. Don't go by merely your own thinking and reasoning. And we're going to come back to this again because I think that's so interesting. Because I might reason through something, but I might not have tasted it. Rather, go by what's praised by the wise, what you discover for yourself, what you experience for yourself. Hopefully we can explore this this time. And that's also for the welfare and benefit of yourself and others. I love it, it's so practical. And it situates what we're doing in this, this realm of exploration. That's why I think sometimes it's difficult to call Buddhism a religion. It has religious elements to it. And I, I, sometimes I think it's important to claim that. And yet it has an exploratory nature that I don't always find in all spiritual traditions. And then he, he goes on from there, and this is what I want to take some time with, with you this evening, is he gives an example. He says, he says it's kind of like uh, practicing these four Brahma-viharas. Some of you might know what the four Brahma-viharas are. They're these four qualities of heart. Kindness or goodwill or friendliness. That's the first one. The second one is compassion. The third one is appreciative joy. The Pali word is mudita, and I'm going to be talking about that this evening. And the fourth one is um, equanimity. 
And I'm going to use this third one, Mudita, Appreciative Joy, to kind of come back to what he's saying to the Kalamas. But I'm going to talk about Mudita. That's really the theme. And then we're going to interweave and see if we can practice what he was uh, encouraging the, the Kalamas to practice around a teaching like this. So tonight, this is the real thing. That's the kind of the, the intro. But the real theme is Mudita, Appreciative Joy. What it is, what it isn't how to practice it, um, and hopefully to talk about this uh, to you in a way that's applicable to your life right now. However your life's going today, whether it be that it's filled with a lot of joy and ease and openness, or maybe some of you are experiencing trouble, whether it's the trouble that's somehow intertwined or connected with the ongoing pandemic, the fires in California, maybe issues with family, friends, with health, the whole rollout of schools and education now, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a tangle during this pandemic. And I feel like however we're situated, whatever is going on in, in our lives, that hopefully Mudita, appreciative joy, has applicability. So this is what's important, what it is and what it isn't. And then we're going to have to test it ourselves, right? That's one of the things that the Buddha was saying to the Kalamas. Don't just think about it, test it, explore it. It's praised by the wise. That we're in relationship together. This is coming from the Buddha. Let's, let's see if this is true or not. And this is what I, I love about the Kalamas. It's almost like the Buddha saying, you know, here's the rumor. The rumor is, is that these former Brahma Viharas, in particular tonight, appreciative joy, it leads to your benefit and the benefit of others. That's the rumor. And then you got to see if the rumor is true or not. What is it? What is this, the Pali word, mudita, appreciative joy? This Pali word, Pali being the early scriptural language of Buddhism, um, mudita, it's derived from this verb modati, which means to rejoice, to rejoice in something, or to be happy. And it is sometimes translated differently, like empathetic joy or sympathetic joy. I prefer this, this translation of appreciative joy, and you'll probably hear why as I go through this. And basically, when it's turned towards other, it's just resonating with the joy of others. It's kind of that sense of, I'm so happy that you're happy. I'm so happy that good thing happened in your life. And not only the joy of others, but with our own joy, the joys that arise in our lives, the quality of appreciation in our lives. So around others, for example, Right? Something happens to one of your friends that's joyful. They get the job that feels meaningful to them, and they're excited about it. To be the sense of, I'm so happy that you're happy around that. Or they're in a new nourishing relationship. Oh, I'm so happy that you're in such a situation. Or they share with you their joy of gardening, or the joy of spending time with grandchildren, or seeing a sunset or savoring the rain, the recent rain. 
or maybe something simple like a cup of tea or taking a walk. Having this practice, I'm so happy that you're happy. I feel the joy. I feel so joyful being able to connect to your joy. It's like enjoying that joy itself. It's, it's like our heart begins to be really sensitive to the arising of joy around us. And we let it, let it affect us to move us, to open the heart. And as the Dalai Lama says, in, in, in at least one way, it's kind of like, it's a great bet to make. In the sense that he points out that when you appreciate the joys of others, you're increasing, increasing your chance of joy from one to seven billion. Those are great odds. <laughs> Anybody that gambles know that there's a really good, good bet in terms of that. It opens up this possibility for joy even more. And then even more so if you imagine the possible joy for the trees and the grasses and the, all the beings who may be filled with joy with the arrival of rain here in Flagstaff. It kind of feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? With the rain, at least for me, it almost feels like, it feels like the trees and grasses to me are smiling, are joyful. The relief that comes. And then also, as I said, showing up and appreciating the good things in my own life. Even the simple stuff, the, the joy of the smell of rain. Obviously, you can start to hear what I've been so appreciative of these last couple days. I'm kind of repeating that word again and again, I'm realizing. <laughs> or the cool air in the morning or the joy of being able to walk and move my body. Or I was just on a bike ride, being able to see the flowers, the pine trees, the gamble oaks, the sound of the birds. And really when I'm talking about showing up and appreciating the good things in my own life, what is that? You know what this is. This is gratitude. It's just a, I'm framing it differently. And yeah, there's a nuance to this when it comes to others and our, and our own joy, which is having joy around the wholesome, the onward leading things in people's lives. You know, not joyful because someone made a lot of money through cheating and stealing or harming others. Or as you know, someone else put it, it's, it's kind of having joy in those healthy, non-addictive human pleasures that are not harmful. Which are called sense pleasures that are, you know, non-harming sense pleasures. Or the realm of ethics, that's a joy. The realm of samadhi, the realm of freedom. Samadhi being concentration, meditative concentration. So this is the, the realm. And, and if, if we want to listen to what the Buddha said to the Kalamas to get a sense of that, I'm wondering if we can just take a few minutes right now to experiment with this, to practice, just to notice what it's like to appreciate. And so what I, I'm going to invite you to do uh, just in one minute here is I want to you to either look around you or kind of be aware of your immediate experience right now. So this is gonna be something that's in your direct experience that you're appreciative of, that you're grateful for. So it could be as something as simple being grateful for being able to breathe right now. 
or being able to see or hear. You might be grateful for some of you that you have a roof over your head. So it's a really thing, grateful thing that's there. Or if you can see outside or you're outside, it might be being grateful for the sky and the ground. Or it could be that you, like me, have a glass of water. You're grateful for water or appreciative of, that, of it or a picture on the wall. I invite you to pick one thing that's happening right now or that you see or hear or taste or smell and take some time to appreciate it just for a minute. Just, so just allowing, maybe allowing your intention to go, attention to go inward and appreciating or having the eyes open as I just offer some silence now to fully appreciate and savor the thing that you picked out. And as you continue to savor and appreciate that one thing, I invite you to start to notice what does it feel like to savor and appreciate and feel grateful, to notice how that resonates in your experience as you continue. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that little experiment there. Now what I want to invite you to do, just to see if we can explore this a little bit more together, is if you can on the device that you're in, is to put in the chat box not what you appreciated. So I'm not so interested in the object or the thing that you're appreciating, but rather how it felt to appreciate. How would you describe that experience? What was the shift from simply listening to me into simply feeling a little bit of gratitude or appreciation? Like what are the words that would describe that, that activity of appreciating? So for me, the word I'd put in there is receptive and all of you are already beating me to it. <laughs> There's some great words. So if you could just put in a word or two or three about that. Oh, great. So grounding, warmth, happy, Presence, yeah, comforting, nice softness of heart or expansive warm heart. You might want to look there in the chat just to see these words, calming, open-heartedness, expansiveness, satisfied, spacious. Thanks. Yeah. Warm and fuzzy and content. I love that. <laughs> Excellent. Still. Yeah. 
So I, I want you to take a look at this list because I find it interesting here. Emotion. Nice. Thank you, Kelly, for bringing that in. Because we might come back to here. Because this is the first step I feel like the, the Buddha is saying to the Kalamas is, don't just think about it. Experience it. You need to discover this. And then through repetition, we need to see if these experiences, this experience that you're describing right here, through repeated exploration is for the benefit and welfare of myself and others. Like when I see those words and I get the feeling of it for myself, it's like, oh, I can be pretty clear that that feels beneficial. Like I'm feeling it in my heart and my bones. The other reason I want to take you through this exercise is in some ways I want us to, to practice what it means to understand this spiritual path, to truly understand it. So it's not just like reading a book or listening to a talk. Hopefully some of these talks are helpful, but it's more this experimentation that we're doing right now of like, oh, I start to understand this path through, through my heart and my bones. Like I feel it in me and I understand it through this, what you're doing right now. This to me is the understanding of the path, what we're engaged in. So I just want to use that as a teaching moment too, in terms of what we're looking for. So this is the beginning. We explore it and then we, 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 we take this, okay, you know, is this feeling that we're experiencing, is this for the benefit and welfare of ourselves and others or not? So this is mudita. This is the beginning of it, at least around our own experience. I also want to share what it isn't. And what I love about uh, the way that the terms are defined in this commentary called the Vasudhimaga, the path of purification, is they, they talk, uh, Buddha Gosa, the author of that, talks about the near and far enemy of all the Brahma Viharas. So the far enemy is that which is the opposite, right? So the opposite of compassion is cruelty. The opposite of appreciative joy is, maybe you can think of it if you want, it's envy. Envy, and sometimes it's translated discontent too, which is that feeling, right? Envy, they're doing better than me and it's this comparing mine. I'm, I'm, I'm no good and it's, it's a fraction of, a, really a fraction of, of I'm not doing well. Like that's going well for that person, but not for me. And if you noticed, at least when I've experienced envy, envy can be fueled by, at least what I've noticed, a sense of lack. They have the joy, but I don't. And I want some of that. You know that experience? And it's, it's rooted in this notion, it feels like at least for me, it's rooted in this notion as if there's only so much happiness. And if this person over here gets some of that happiness, that means that I don't get any. It's almost like my mind is seen it as some kind of commodity. Well, if they get that relationship, that job that I want, the praise, the great vacation, then I don't get it. That means there's not enough joy or happiness to go around. And it's often also fueled by comparing mine. I'm comparing myself to, to another. 
I'm involved in it. And if you noticed in the appreciation that we just experienced, what I notice is there's less of me in the sense of like comparing in those, those moments. It's just like, it's just the heart's open. So that's the, the far enemy, you could say the opposite of mudita. And, it's, uh, and mudita is, is the um, antidote to, for envy as a result. And then the near enemy, the thing that we can get uh, confused with, with appreciative joy is exhilaration or exuberance. So the way I see this is it's like, I get so excited about seeing the flowers or the sunset, or I get so excited about what another person's experiencing that I'm just kind of spinning in my mind rather than savoring. Like it, 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 it doesn't feel like all these words that I see in the chat box, like, like the, the smile or stillness or warm and fuzzy and content or spacious or satisfied or expansive and open. Feels different than that. So these are some things, you know, just to be aware of. And then just a, a little bit more about gratitude, about this appreciation. And I'd like to share with you a poem that to me exemplifies what we just explored, but puts words to it is this process of appreciation of what's in my experience. And it's a, a poem by Mary Oliver called The Sun. And she begins, have you ever seen anything in your life more wonderful than the way the sun every evening, relaxed and e easy, floats toward the horizon and into the clouds or the hills or the rumpled sea and is gone. And how it slides again out of the blackness every morning on the other side of the wor world, like a red flower streaming upward on its heavenly oils, say, on a morning in early summer, at its perfect imperial distance. And have you ever felt for anything such wild love? Do you think there is anywhere in any language a word billowing enough for the pleasure that fills you as the sun reaches out, as it warms you, as you stand there empty-handed? Or have you too turned from this world? Or have you too gone crazy for power, for things? Do you hear in that poem how appreciation is connected with freeing the heart. This isn't, she's not describing grasping or clinging or possessing, right? As she says, do you think there's a word in, in anywhere, in any language, a word billowing enough for the pleasure that fills you as the sun reaches out, as it warms you, as you stand there empty handed? 
and to me she's she's kind of almost using the words or referring to the words that are in her chat box here being open receptive being filled oh this is appreciation oh i can feel the benefit and well welfare and benefit that comes for myself when i do this or for others when i'm in this space And then there's the contrast, right? Have you noticed when your heart's in a different place? When your heart turns from such a world? When you've gone crazy for power, for things? I hope you're hearing something super important to know about these four Brahma Viharas, in particular appreciative joy how they lead to freedom. They're not just icing on the cake. They're intertwined with what we're doing in meditation. They're intertwined with carrying us along on this path. They inform how we meditate. Hopefully they inform how we are in the world. I think it's so interesting that these qualities like appreciative joy are the ones that the Buddha pointed to to the Kalamas. Like, hey, get a taste of this. This is what I'm talking about. I'm not just here to praise my own view and disparage others. I'm asking you to get a taste and then you decide. Is it a rumor or not that this might be beneficial for the world that we live in? And I, I want to emphasize that, that I feel like it's important for the world that we live in, in particular, the troubled world that we live in. I think it balances out seeing the suffering of the world. Now it helps a, a tremendous amount to, to continue to have the capacity to be with suffering when we can see the good things. Have you noticed this? Like they sometimes say that these Brahma Viharas, you know, loving kindness and compassion and appreciative joy and equanimity balance each other out. Appreciative joy is important if we want to be compassionate. So important. I'd like to share with you a, a quote from Howard Zinn. Hopefully, hopefully many people know, know him. He's the one who wrote A People's History of the United States. And if you've read that, you know that it, <laughs> he's not afraid of sharing about the troubles and the, the suffering that, that's in our history of this place that we currently call the United States. And yet at the same time, this is what he says. He says, to be hopeful in bad times is not just foolishly romantic. It is based on the fact that human history is a history not only of cruelty, but also of compassion, sacrifice, courage, kindness. What we choose to emphasize in this complex history will determine our lives. If we see only the worst, it destroys our capacity to do something. If we remember those times and places, there are so many where people have behaved magnificently. And this gives us the energy to act and at least the, and at least the possibility of sending the spinning top of a world in a different direction. And if we do act in however small a way, we don't have to wait for some grand utopian future. 
The future is an infinite succession of presence. And to live now as we think human beings should live in defiance of all that is bad around us is itself a marvelous victory. I find these words particularly moving coming from him, someone who is not trying to shy away from the troubles, at least during his lifetime when he was writing, shying away from the sufferings and troubles and oppression of this, of this world. And yet the encouragement of finding the marvelous victory, which I think is connected with the skill of appreciative joy. I now want to make the transition to frame or meditation that we'll be doing together here. And I want to point out that this quality of appreciation, and hopefully this is kind of obvious, especially now that what's in the chat box, is connected with what we're cultivating just in simple mindfulness in a mindfulness meditation. Like a, a, again, a, a quote from Chesua Miwoshd, which I think to me is pointing to some of the quality that I'm trying to cultivate in, when I'm in sitting meditation, regardless if I'm practicing appreciative joy or not. It's really simple. He says, at the entrance, my bare feet on the dirt floor. Here, gusts, gusts of heat. At my back, white clouds. I stare and stare. It seems I was called for this, to glorify things just because they are. During this next sitting meditation, can you glorify things? Can you appreciate them? The breath, a sound, the ache in your knee, even the mind lost in thought, and hopefully you'll return to the present moment, <laughs> to bring in that quality of appreciation. And this is what we'll do is we'll begin with, you know, we'll guide us in in the silent meditation. And then for the, the, the guided meditation at the end, we'll do an, a practice of appreciative joy. So in light of this, let's take a uh, three minutes to move our bodies and to look away from the screen. And then let's come back at 36 minutes past the hour and then we'll begin then. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.